Hope is that thing uh, that we enjoy because somehow we understand the mind and the workings of God through the eyes of faith. So hope is when I'm attached to God's way, right? Somehow God can make a way, right? And not me, not Rob, not, you know, all these sort of frail things. Somehow God can intervene. That's what our hope is. Somehow God is intervening. Somehow God's genius is more than the world's genius. That's our hope. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, Bishop. Hey, how you doing? I'm fabulous. Uh, you you wrote this week's devotion based off First Peter chapter three verses thirteen through twenty two, and the thing that stood out to you is about hope and having an accounting for it. Can you say more about what that looks like? Like, how does one account for hope? <laughs> well, I mean, it's account, and if you want to do a word study and sort of go down that thing, it's always be ready to give an explanation of um, always be ready to talk a little bit about why you have the hope that you have. How'd you get the hope you have? I like it because Peter's asking us to, uh, to do more than just sort of uh, have this big inarticulate clump of belief. He's, he's asking us to know the contours of our life with God. He's asking us to know uh, something specific about our journey with God to keep that on the tip of our tongue. Cause always he says, you know, be at the ready. Uh, he doesn't say be some sort of religious caricature. Who's always spouting off with, you know, uh, Bible verses and all that sort of stuff. He just says always in a deep place uh, of who you are, know what your real hope is. And I think especially in, uh, adversity, especially in difficulty and just as a general matter, that's a real gift to the to the soul is to know that what I'm connected to my source. Mm. I kind of love that because I, as I was reading your devotion towards the end, you said this Mother's Day weekend account for the hope you enjoy today because of mom, grandma, and all the matriarchs in your life. Right. And right. I thought, well, that's great. And yet, there are a number of people that I know who would equate matriarch or mom with the word pain. Yeah, sure. So when you're talking about accounting of hope and knowing your source, you know, some would some would say, well, my source is my mom. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's right. where I came from, right? Right. Right. Well, look, um, we are imperfect children of imperfect parents. Yeah. And um, it is true that many of us have had uh, difficult journeys with our family of origin. That's absolutely true. Um, and, and yet... Um, I, I want to say that in the imperfection of it all, uh, some of us have still gleaned important life lessons from the very people who, who uh, we struggle to forgive and who we struggle to love and who struggled to forgive us and who struggled to love us. And so, yeah, when I shake it all out, I can account for both um, the downside of things as well as the upside of things. And so, and so, look, I'm not a perfect parent. Uh, I'm sure my children will tell you that. And, uh, and I was not parented by perfect people. And yet, 
you know, I can remember uh, bits and pieces of, of what my mother had to say to me about her life with God that have absolutely been sticky uh, in my life and essential for me to sort of understand some things. And the truth of the matter is, is as you get a little older, a little long in the tooth, you begin to understand these people who we call parents a little better. Uh, you begin to understand that uh, hurt people hurt people, as they say. Uh, you begin to you begin to understand that everybody's sort of working out their thing, um, and uh, and there's legitimate pain and legitimate hurt there. And still, and still, I want to say none of us are are um, complete disasters. Uh, in in all of us. Uh, there is uh, something redeemable. Uh, there is there is a beauty to all of us. And so what I want to focus on this Mother's Day, uh, especially, is um, not only give an account of the hope that's in us, but I, I wonder what hope got passed along to you. And even if it wasn't your family of origin, I wonder so, somebody's family of origin passed some part of your hope to you. And I, I wonder what that is for people. I just want to get people thinking about that. What is my actual hope? Yeah, I love that. And yet, <laughs> and yet, I know I'm, yet. I'm, I'm playing the uh, the argumentative one, the contrary one, which is That's funny sure. for me. Sure. Just a little bit further down in the scripture passage, this entire it's pretty it's pretty lengthy. Um, it says, "Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you." Yet do it with gentleness and yes. respect. See, there it is. And then, and then it goes on. This is the this is the the contrary part for me. Maintain a good conscience so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. And now I love Dr. Brene Brown. <laughs> and so she would say, I don't know that we should be in the blame shame game. Yeah. Well, I think we need to be careful here. Um, yeah. You know, when, when Peter is saying this, he's not saying, I want you to do things for the purpose of shaming people. He's mm -hmm. saying, do these things out of the center, right, of your agency, right? What is your commitment? My commitment is to my hope in God. That is my commitment. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you are always giving good, even to people who have not given you good and actually have tried to malign you, they will, they will, as the children say, feel some type of way. Now, Peter articulated that and called it shame, but I, it is true. And we know this to be true that if you reflect sometimes, maybe you, maybe you, even you, Melissa, uh, could think about your own life and you think about uh, some instances uh, and some individuals that, that were good to you, but you could not receive their goodness, right? Or, or, you, or you shun their goodness or maybe disparage their goodness. And upon reflection, you look back and say, boy, I missed that opportunity, right? I think this is what Peter is saying. He's not saying I'm, I'm waking up today to do good so I can shame the hell out of people. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. Not at all. But I, I, that's, that is a twisted interpretation if somebody's out there doing that. No, that's not what it is. He's saying be of such a stature and an inner commitment. I mean, and I think that is what the message, the unique message of the Christian faith is, which is to say, I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use you. I won't be run over by what other people do. I am firmly resting in my hope, 
right? And in my faith. And, and what I love about that is, is not, it's not codependent. Hmm. You see, what he's saying is, is that I don't have to be co- codependent with the people who are doing me wrong, right? I'm not going to give to them as they have given to me. I have another commitment. I have a commitment outside the loop of our sort of uh, our relationship. And my outside the, outside the loop commitment is what drives my in the loop behavior. And so whatever you put out, I know what I'm going to do. And it's not based on you because if it's based on you, then you're my God and I'm responding to you, right? So I'm responding to my God. And it just so happens that the laboratory of that is our relationship. So what I love about it is, is hey, look, Peter's talking about grown up religion here. He's talking about the world is not a perfect place. Uh, it's a hot mess, uh, as some would say. Uh, and what is our way through? Where well, our way through is to, as purely as we can, as focused as we can, stay centered in what we say we believe and who we say we are. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Uh, you know, uh, this is probably a couple months ago. I did my own personal reflection on, uh, goodness, is it Romans 12, the outdo one another in honor? Uh, you know, and, and sometimes I think when people are maligned or are maligned, they feel the need to be vindicated or defend their honor. And I feel like I've learned that um, I think, and I could be wrong, uh, I think the feeling of vindication is rooted in pride. Is that an honorable person, if they're putting Jesus at the center, might not be so motivated to defend their honor because they know that Jesus is the center. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, all of us, we're all human beings and we all need some sense of affirmation. And, you know, when we start to, to, to um, work out our lives, our lives with people in the way that Christ would have us uh, to live it out, uh, it's not always rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's difficult. And, and the truth of the matter is, is there is uh, some subordinating of the ego and some subordinating of, the, uh, of all of that as you try to be obedient in relationships, especially relationships that are conflictual, contentious, difficult, etc. So, yeah, everybody wants that affirmation. And yet in other places in scripture, our affirmation comes from uh, being faithful, especially when the temperature goes up, right? And so, so we're getting our affirmation, you know, from another source. Yes, of course we need it from people along the way. That's why partnership and faith is so important. That's why you need somebody who understands who's on their Christian maturity journey as well to, to, to listen to you, to affirm you, to say, Hey, keep on going. You're doing it the right way. You're, you're living according to Jesus's values and virtues. You're living according to Jesus's purpose. But, you know, uh, again, if you're looking for that in the world with any regularity, you're probably not going to get it. I mean, I, I think this is what we, we see in Jesus's ministry. You know, I've had, you know, I had the good fortune to be a, a school chaplain, and, you know, you, you ask, you tell kids the story of Jesus and it's nonsensical to them because they don't understand why you would kill somebody who was so nice and so good and so truthful 
And, and, and so that's how the world rewards those things, right? And, and Jesus said, look, hey, they even rejected me and they're rejecting the prophets as well. And why wouldn't they reject you as well? And so he's already preparing us to not sort of be ready to sort of like a baby bird when the mother bird comes to be receiving the worm of affirmation from the world. No, this is why, this is why worship is so important for us. This is why we got to show up. It's, it's, it, you know, it's great. I understand people take a Sunday off here and there, but this is why it's so important to stay regular in the prayers and in the sacraments and in the fellowship, just like we talk about in the baptismal covenant, because that's where we get our affirmation. My affirmation comes in. I'm fortified by the sacraments of the church. My affirmation comes by I'm located by scripture. My affirmation comes by the familiar words of the hymns who lift me up and make me buoyant. There, there's where the affirmation comes. My affirmation comes uh, in the fellowship of the people who are trying to live that way, that we can encourage one another when it's difficult. So, so this is our hope, right? Because that's where we don't want to stray too far from the text today. So, so this is our hope. We find our hope there. We fortify our hope with one another in scripture, in prayer, in singing, and in fellowship. And that ends up strengthening our hope for the real world. Look, the, the point of that lesson is, you know, uh, this is not all about our interior life. The world needs some people who have an abiding hope on the tip of their tongue. See, that's that's we got to be careful here, you know, uh, sort of just dwelling on the personal piety of the whole thing. Uh, the person, the personal piety thing is one thing, but but the you know the outward facing hope is the other thing, right? So we are the stewards of a hope that we did not build. We are the receivers of a gift called hope. Somehow we know in our head and in our breast that God is good and that there's nothing that is impossible for God, right? And so we are the stewards of that in the real world. And so we can say to the world and to other people, yet there is still hope. And you think about that. What an awesome trust God has placed in our hands to be the bearers of that good news. When when you look around, it looks like despair is the more appropriate response. I mean, look at the news. You know, one damn thing after another, shooting after shooting, right? You know, it, we're not talking about optimism, by the way. Let's make an important distinction here. Uh, don't account for the optimism because uh, optimism is made out of cheap stuff. It'll break. You know, my favorite quote about that is, is that uh, the average optimist is three consecutive disappointments away from being a cynic, right? <laughs> so because optimism is not tough like hope. See, see hope is that thing uh, that we enjoy because somehow we understand the mind and the workings of God through the eyes of faith. So hope is when I'm attached to God's way, right? Somehow God can make a way, right? And not me, not Rob, not, you know, all these sort of frail things. Somehow God can intervene. That's what our hope is. Somehow God is intervening. Somehow God's genius is more than the world's genius. That's our hope. And so the world needs people like us, me and you and all the listeners and beyond that, uh, in our own soft and reverent way, uh, as Peter said, to hold steady in hope, you know, as in, in an ocean of despair. I think what a great gift we have to give the world. Indeed. Bishop, you not too long ago were doing some travel. You were in Ghana with the Diocese of Cape Coast. And so how might your hope have been increased by that experience? 
Oh, it, it absolutely was. Well, first of all, just, just so people know, so the Diocese of Atlanta, we, we send pilgrims back across the Middle Passage. The Middle Passage was that journey that in, uh, people who were enslaved were taken from West Africa uh, into the American South, into the Caribbean, and into South America. So what we decided was is that uh, some years back in 2016, that part of our conversation about race and reconciliation had to reverse the middle passage. We had to reverse that that tragic and terrible boat ride. And so uh, we've gone to Ghana now uh, on four pilgrimages, would have been more, but it was interrupted by COVID. And we have a partner uh, there in the Diocese of Cape Coast, the Anglican Diocese of Cape Coast. Now, why that's important is, is that in the Diocese uh, of Cape Coast are two of the oldest slave dungeons. Uh, those doors of no return where people were herded into like cattle, processed like cattle, and then sent through small doors called the door of no return into waiting slave ships uh, to be brought to America to have their humanity stolen and their labor stolen. So we thought it was important to continue to go back there and to have conversations. Also, uh, part of one of the key values of being an Anglican, an Episcopalian, is not only a local uh, commitment to service, but a global commitment to service. We are a local church uh, and a global church all at the same time. So all that is background. And so we've taken uh, pilgrims uh, uh, over to to learn more about that journey, to learn more about what we have done to each other. Uh, and, And not for shame and for obligation, not for guilt, not for any of that, but to go to those dungeons and go to those places and see, you know, how low uh, we can go as human beings, as human, as a human family, and and what's been fortifying to my hope is is to see people go there, confront that, and then ask themselves, what can we do about it now, right? Uh, and so to not get stuck in shame or not get stuck in in guilt. But to actually say, okay, my hope says that we can do something. This is how low we have gone. And so what else can we do? Uh, and that's been really encouraging. We take high school students uh, as part of the pilgrim group. Uh, we take people who happen to be white and people who happen to be African-American, of Caribbean descent, uh, a, a bishop, priests, deacons, all, all kinds of people, because we believe that that makes the conversation rich. And, you know, my hope uh, has been fortified in that we have learned so much from the people that we've met there. I mean, the joy in worship in Cape Coast is something that I wish I could bottle and bring back to America. I mean, they have decidedly financially, uh, materially less than we have, and yet they have an abiding joy. Uh, And and so I, I feel like a great gift has been given to me to see Anglican worship, uh, you know, as joyful uh, as we have experienced there and to talk about uh, how we can bring some of that, uh, you know, with us. Uh, My hope has been fortified in that we're now partners with the Diocese of Cape Coast uh, in their self-sustainability efforts. They're starting something called a piggery. It's it's basically where you, uh, where big pigs uh, make little pigs. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, and then uh, they're processed in all kinds of ways. Uh, over there, they don't have pensions for their clergy. Um, and so, you know, think about that for just a second, no social security, no pension. And so what people have, they have. And so their Bishop, Bishop Victor, uh, who's been on this podcast, um, you know, has uh, a bright man is figuring out ways in which he can develop some, some sustainability 
their economic sustainability. And we're a partner in that regard. And so to see congregations from the Diocese of Atlanta participate in all of that, to get something, to give something, I mean, it, it, it really fortifies my hope in that that's the right direction we ought to be going in, uh, is assisting one another, learning from one another, benefiting you know, from one another. But it's an amazing journey to go on. I, I think um, my hope was also sort of made a bit stronger uh, because when we went there the first time, um, you know, there was a number of people in our group who are white uh, and some even the descendants of, of people who purchased other human beings, right? They knew that about their, their family history. And then we, we met some people there who, who are black Africans uh, who were the descendants of people who sold uh, uh, people. And so I'm sitting at a table uh, for lunch with the buyer, the des- descendant of a buyer and a descendant of a seller. One is white, one is black. Both both families participated in this terrible slave trade, and they're talking about uh, what can the future look like. I mean, this this gives me hope. Um, and and it, it also, when I come back home, it also indicts uh, for me what I see in the news that in some places, uh, you know, politicians have adopted a strategy of avoidance. Uh, and don't seem to have the moral courage to have the conversations about our complex American family story in America. In America, and it's tragic. And Jesus never recommends avoidance. Uh, what is recommended by Scripture is you square your shoulders, and you, you look at where you have been. Uh, you repent and you move forward with the assurance of forgiveness. And so I wonder, you know. Uh, do we not believe in forgiveness, uh, or do we really think that avoidance uh, is the best short-term and long-term strategy? Uh, I'm glad I can say that I'm part of a church that uh, that is struggling forward and trying to rely on reconciliation, redemption, and forgiveness. I think to do that uh, brings us better, uh, closer, I, I would say, uh, to what the hope that Peter's talking about. Remember who's advocating hope, Peter, the, the guy who betrayed Jesus, the, the guy who denied Jesus. And this is the guy who now is clear because of he's fall, because he's fallen so low and been reconciled by Jesus. Now he's got a real world hope and his hope is not this pristine little piece of porcelain. Uh, his hope is, hey man, I missed the mark and yet I've been forgiven. And I got a hope in that. And I want to tell the world about that hope. Awesome. <laughs> May our hope overflow. Bishop, grateful for you as always. And listeners, we're grateful for you for listening to Four People. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.